All right, it's a real pleasure to be able to um, introduce our youth pastor who has travelled all the way from England to be able to give us this um, message this morning. Let's give him a real hand. God bless you, Seb. Cheers, John. All righty. Am I on? Is it working? Great. Morning, morning, morning. Um, whilst I'm getting myself all sorted. Um, if you've got a Bible, please do turn to Isaiah 58, or if you've got a phone app, please do turn to Isaiah 58. That'd be great, please. We're going to be sitting in that for a while. Alrighty. Cool. I might read from the screen, actually. Shout out. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the commands of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast but you do not see? Why humble ourselves but you do not notice? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble yourself? Is it to bow down the head like a reed and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this fast a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your righteousness shall go before you, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desires or satisfy your needs in sun-scorched land and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the age-old foundations. You should be called repairer of the broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Great. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Love that passage. Um, before I do, I just want to trigger your memory on um, what's been going on recently here on Sunday mornings, and particularly um, what John's been preaching on the last three weeks. Um, so three Sundays ago, we, we looked at abiding in Jesus, John chapter 15, just the centrality of that as you're following Jesus, abiding in him, resting in him. And then we looked at um, two Sundays ago, the fall of Jericho, and how the people of Israel, I'm going to do some circling, circled Jericho with specific instructions from God. And that was the way, through relationship with God, that they were going to see breakthrough, that they were going to see Jericho taken. And John posed the question, what are we circling? 
What do we want to see breakthrough in our lives in? And then uh, last Sunday, we had words, works, power. And primarily, primarily based on that in Isaiah 61, which Jesus quotes in Luke chapter 4. We want to have the words of God, we want to have the works of God, and we want to have the power of God as we follow him. John said last week as well that if we want the results of Jesus, we need to use the methods of Jesus. I really believe that those sermons and, and some of the stuff God's been speaking to us um, as on top of those sermons, whether it's in the prayer meetings or individually, uh, I still think they're as relevant today as they were a few weeks ago. So have we got what we needed from them? Before we have another person sharing something, have we assimilated them? Are we chewing on them? Just a thought. I think in, in the Western church, um, we are so blessed to have so much information, knowledge, sermons, accessible through podcasts and all, all sorts of um, stuff like that. And it's spreading. It's not just the West. But we've had it for a while, and we're very blessed in that area. But I think at times we can be gluttonous on good talks, revelation from God, words from God, um, to the extent where we kind of get spiritually obese, um, in that we're looking for the next word, the next bit of knowledge, before we've actually necessarily chewed on the bit that we've already been given. Now, I'm a part-time theology nerd. I love, 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 love learning. I love just getting new revelation, and that's great. That's so important. But can we be too focused on this next bit of information before we've digested the first? And I think the really encouraging thing is, I mean, just take the circling, for example. I've spoken to so many people who have just embedded that in, have just been talking about, yeah, I'm circling this at the moment. So I know it's happening. I know that we're chewing on it already. This is just an encouragement. Let's keep chewing. I realize as well, quoting John a lot, it sounded like I'm after a pay rise, but genuinely, um, <laughs> that was very genuine, honest. Um, <laughs> Cool. So I've loved seeing how God's been moving um, in the church here and in the city over the last year that I've been here, and before actually with a few trips. And the question I've got in my head, and it's always sort of in there roughly, is, is what is God saying to us at the moment? What is he drawing us into next? And the area I felt God highlighted for me to speak on is actually something that I've been chewing on since the beginning of January. And it's, it's particularly... Um, it's particularly, I suppose, relevant now after we've just had the two-week prayer intensive where as a church we've just focused on corporate prayer and individual prayer together. And the thing that I believe God is calling us to look at is sustainable rhythms of prayer and fasting in our lives. And to review existing rhythms, because I want to acknowledge that I know this is not just new to a lot of people, and implement new rhythms if needs be. I'm not just saying pray more because that's just not helpful. Um, I'm talking specifically about the combination of prayer and fasting. And I don't really see this as an addition in some ways to what we've been looking at already. I, I kind of see it as the vehicle that's going to take us further down the line in some of this stuff. And I think, you know, God's going to give new directions and, and stuff alongside that, for sure. It's not this is the only way, but I really believe it's a key at the moment, and it's a vehicle that will, as I say, take us forward um, with some of the stuff we've already been looking at. And I'm not talking about striving and setting goals with unrealistic targets um, that are often kind of like the first thing that pop into our heads and maybe from a guilt trip. I'm talking about sustainable rhythms born out of waiting on God for strategy, partnership with him, and then kind of engaging with others close around us for accountability and encouragement. There's, well, Google says there's an African proverb, um, whether it is or not, 
who knows. Uh, but if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that primarily applies to us with God. But then secondly, I think it applies to, to those around us in the sense of community and family that we have. If it's not born out of relationship with God, this area of sustainable rhythms of prayer and fasting, then it's just going to be a one-way ticket to striving. I've certainly been there and done it. And it's been a house of cards. And at this point, I just want to say as well, grace, 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 grace. We are saved by grace as Christians. All of this action and intentionality is in response to what Jesus has already done on the cross. Out of love for him and then for the world around us who he loves and has given us a love for as well. I can't earn my salvation. No one can. Neither can we sort of change or, or determine the amount of love God has for us. It's just constant depth upon depth upon depth. And if you don't know what fasting is, um, we're going to just touch on it in a second, but um, please do chat about it with, with people you know in the church family, whether it's some of the team here or people in your cell group um, or nab myself afterwards. I'm always happy to have a chat about it. Um, and also, if you're on uh, sort of, if you have any medical conditions or you're on any medical advice from your doctors, please be careful and sensible. Um, and please just follow their advice, I'd say. Um, God uses doctors a lot, and we love doctors. Um, there are alternatives as well, like fasting from TV or your phone, or maybe you love peanut butter jelly sandwiches or something, and you could maybe fast from those. Um, there's all sorts of alternatives. But fasting is a powerful way to draw near to God. He's not torturing us. It's not a form of sadism or macas... Uh, that's the one, yeah. Um, it's a decision to give more of our attention to him and really give our focus to him. I don't know about you, but when I'm fasting, I know about it. He's got my attention. It provides us with a constant reminder about drawing near to God and pressing into the things he's put on our hearts and the things that are on his heart. Fasting helps us to passionately and doggedly pursue the things of God, to passionately and doggedly pursue breakthrough in our lives, in others' lives, and in the world around us. I don't see fasting also as a, a purely responsive tool. Like, things are bad, right, prayer and fasting, let's, let's get that sorted. I see it more as actually, uh, when done in a healthy way, done in rhythms, and it's part of our life. Um, and it, the penny only dropped about two years ago for me on this. I think I saw it as a responsive thing, rather than it's, it's possible to have this as a sort of healthy rhythm, whatever that rhythm looks like as you partner with God. So that's basically the proposal I want to make today that we review the area of sustainable rhythms of prayer and fasting in our lives. To help us on this, we're going to go back to Isaiah... Ooh, one screen down. We're going to go back to Isaiah 58, and we're just going to pick up a few points on this. And I also just want to say at this point, why? why? Why the call to prayer and fasting? And I've kind of mentioned that a bit, you know, affecting the world around us. When we meet with God... And we're just filled with his love and the fact that we're saved by him and we're just blown away by his grace. We can't but have a desire to see the world around us impacted. To see healing, to see restoration, to see justice, to see breakthrough in people's lives, to see people blessed, to see people meet Jesus for the first time and know that they're loved by him. So there's plenty of, of purpose and motivation. Right, Isaiah 58. Um, a bit of context. Um, Isaiah is split into three sections, and for those of you who get a real kick out of the theology stuff, um, the first is called Proto, the second is Deutero, and the third is Trito. 
Um, just so I chuck that out there if anyone gets a buzz out of that. Um, the third section is where we're going to be in. We're going to be in Isaiah 58, as you know. Um, and this, this sort of part, the third section, is talking about the Jewish people who um, have returned, or, are, or speaking about the return of the Jewish people who have been in exile back to Israel. And they've had an incredibly humbling and traumatic experience. Um, they have been literally conquered, and then they've, they've had to go into exile as a people for, for decades and well over a century. Um, no, probably a couple of centuries. Um, it's been a real, real tough experience for them. And I think people of Christchurch can relate to this a lot. They've lost their home. It's been incredibly tough, but there's restoration going on at the same time. John mentioned the, the mountain range analogy last week, which was really helpful for Isaiah, in that um, if we look at the southern Alps, we can, we can see the Alps but we don't necessarily have the ability from here, if we're looking from Christchurch, to see the depth. We don't know which mountain is, is how far away from us. We don't have that same ability necessarily, but we can see the Alps. And it's similar with, with um, well, it's exactly the same again with Isaiah 58, 61. Um, this was a message for a certain people at a certain time, the Jewish people coming out of exile. But there's also another prophetic arch which is speaking to us today. And I believe this passage is highly relevant, still applicable for us as Christians. Right, four quick fire points on Isaiah 58. Number one, where is your heart at with fasting? Where is your heart at? Make sure you're not just starving yourself, because that sucks. It's, it's real bad. We see in verses one to five that the people of Israel completely got the wrong motivation and reasons. They were putting on a show. They were seeking only their pleasure. They were oppressing others. They were ignoring God and his ways. They were fighting. There was false humility. There was pride. And as human beings, we are susceptible to these things. We're seeing growth. We're seeing transformation as Christians. We, we know that we're sons and daughters of the living God. But we need to check. Where's our heart at with fasting? Number two, prayer and fasting are inseparably linked to action. Verses 6 to 7, is it not, it says this twice, is it not this way with fasting? Is it not? Surely it is this way. Verses 9 and 10, if you take and if you pour, action is part of the equation when you press into prayer and fasting. And reviewing your rhythms in prayer and fasting will have an effect and a consequence of changing and growing your areas of action, your rhythms of action as well. Number three, our salvation is set in stone. Our impact on the world is not. Look at the wording, if you, then you shall, and X will happen. These link phrases are connected and repetitively used from verses 8 to 12. If you pour yourself out, if you refrain from pointing of the finger, then you shall see. And not only will then you shall see, but and you will see. It's these, these linked conditional statements. They are guarantees. They are rock-solid promises. But we have to use the keys to unlock them. We can't wait for them to happen. In terms of prayer and fasting, that is. We can see God move sovereignly, of course, and we can see him move through other ways. But in particular, the area of prayer and fasting. If we want to see this stuff happen to a greater extent in our lives... Um, We've got to make the decision, or tiny little decisions as well, the safe, the dangerous, the exhilarating, 
the adventurous decision to follow Jesus in this and partner with him. And that, yeah, our salvation is set in stone. Our impact on the world is not. Number four, and lastly, the consequences of prayer and fasting done in the right spirit are truly staggering. We're going to come into land on this final point, but also spend a bit of time on the runway. Um, this truth just gives me butterflies in my stomach. A bit like when I used to row before a race, but far better. Um, that was very painful, actually. Uh, I'm not going to list them all, but let me just list a few consequences from that passage. Verse 8, your healing shall spring up speedily. Verse 8 again, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. What does that look like? You shall be like a watered garden, verse 11. Verse 12, your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And it's so easy, you know, that passage I've heard so many times. And I think, again, with all, all revelation and, and truth, we can just nod and, and, yeah, I got it, I understand it in my head. But do we believe it? Do we want that? You know, only my brother and my family know Jesus. And I was thinking in preparing this, I had to ask myself the question, do I believe it? Do I believe that they can know the love of God? Are there situations in our lives where we're struggling to have hope in this? And that's not in a judgmental way, it's just being honest. And if we're honest with God, he can just then meet us with kindness and love and build our hope and faith. And I love the way that as a church... We're saying we want to follow Holy Spirit. I, I just love it. It's absolutely brilliant. I love this morning. I love the flow. I just love the heart and hunger. I love that we're seeing prayer for, uh, praying for healing happening and people are getting healed. It's just amazing. It's so good. And I love that there isn't a staleness here. I love that there's a hunger for more. And I think that's the point I want to get at with uh, this passage or it's sort of an overarching point is, yes, there is more. There is more in the depth of an all-loving and all-powerful God. His riches know no end in how much he wants to pour out. God's just um, been particularly nudging me about this stuff since January. And a big phrase that's been in my mind recently is signs, wonders, and miracles. And it's just keep coming again and again and again. Um, and actually, some of the prophetic chatter that I've been noticing in, in Christchurch and, and here in this family in New Zealand and a bit further uh, abroad has been mentioning this thing again and again, signs, wonders, miracles. And I know that we've been seeing this starting to break out increasingly for a while. You know, there's a really good heritage that's been going on here. And I, here's a real bombshell side note if you really want it. I believe he's stirring in us to ask for his glory to rest on Christchurch to move powerfully in Christchurch, and to get there that he's asking us to check our hearts, to move forward in pursuing purity, and partner with him in prayer and fasting. And all of this from a place of abiding and rest in him. And I think, again, this is just tying on the stuff that he's been nudging about. He's been it's tying in with all the things he's been speaking to us about. Now, my previous job, I was doing community youth work um, for five years with... Um, well, we were open to working with any young people, but we ended up working with some of the toughest young people in town. And in some areas, I, I just, I'm a totally different person by the end of it. But I got, it was sort of just nagging at me in the back of my mind towards the end that there are areas of my life which have become dormant. 
When I first became a Christian, it was just like, bam. And, you know, it was just seeing healing, 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 loads of stuff, people saved, discipling my old schoolmates who used to be atheists with me. And it was just real full on. And I realized that part of me had become dormant. And it was a really sad moment just reflecting on that. But God just met me in his kindness. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Repentance, turning away from one way, saying sorry, and going the other. And he just loved it that I was coming to that place of honesty. And it's just been something that's been on my heart the last couple of months. And this obviously has impacted onto youth work because I have a bit of an influence in that area, I suppose, as youth pastor. Um, and we've just been looking at praying for one another um, in recent weeks. I felt like God was saying to do that. And, and then um, two Fridays ago, we just, we just went for it. We just started waiting on God. And then we just started praying for one another in small groups. And this isn't a look at us story. This is just an encouragement um, and just being openness and that another example of what's happening in our family as a whole. Um, we started seeing like people getting prophetic words for the first time. Uh, a couple of people literally physically felt stuff shift off them, which wasn't great, and Holy Spirit coming in instead. Um, there were people praying out loud for one another who hadn't really had it before. I mean, we debriefed till about 11 p.m. There was so much going on. And that was great. That was, like, so worth celebrating. But here's the thing. It's just part of what's happening in the wider story of this church family, and there is more. We're not resting on our laurels just because we had a great time last Friday. No, no, we're, we're going for more. We want to see more signs and wonders and miracles because they point to Jesus. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. The question, um, and this is really coming into land now. We're, we're sort of connecting to the terminal, so to speak. Um, we, the question that has been on my heart for a while now that God's been saying to me is, how deep do you want to go, Seb? And he said it with a smile. And he said it with grace. He's like, your salvation is set, mate. But how deep do you want to go? How much of an adventure do you want to go on? Because this is not something to get stressed out about. Signs, wonders, miracles are amazing. Seeing lives transformed. I've seen my own leg grow in front of my own eyes. It's, it's amazing. Like, it's so cool. But it's not just for the experiential show. It's, it's because God is changing lives and his name is being lifted high. How deep do you want to go? Linking into what I shared just now, I was telling the young people the other day that um, a home group that we have, the, one of the cell group that we run, um, I'm so done with some of my stories being from years ago. Not out, well, sometimes I have to work on my pride, obviously, but it's, it's not primarily out of a place of pride. It's more that I just want to be able to share what God's doing during the week, every day, and because that is a measure of how much I'm pressing into this sort of stuff in a way. Whilst, you know, our, our definition of success is not dependent on the outcome. It's dependent on our obedience. At the same time, if we do step out, stuff is going to happen. It may not be as we see it, but stuff will happen. So my encouragement to you um, is please do reflect on Isaiah 58. Please do reflect. It's a beautiful passage. Love it. Please do reflect on what God's been speaking to us recently. And let's keep abiding, let's keep circling, and let's go after this stuff together, and let's encourage one another. Cool. I think what we'll do now is, um, I've just chucked quite a lot out there in 20-odd minutes. <laughs> um, we're just going to wait on God, um, and just, just give you some time to process. I love that we can get all noisy during the worship. Love it. Got something to shout about. Absolutely. 
And then there's also those times of quiet, which are really beautiful as well and important of just meeting with God. And we, we want both. Um, so let's just, let's just wait on God for a moment. Just process with him. If you're not used to a phrase like that, waiting on God, it's just an opportunity for you to, if you want, close your eyes and just have you and God time. Just uh, process what, what just chucked out there and other stuff that he may be nudging you on. I was just feeling beforehand, just stay in that place with God, that, um, you know, it's quite a call to arms, this, this sort of talk and language, but I just felt he really wants to meet us um, gently. Um, and one of the areas I felt was restoring hope um, in this area of seeing breakthrough. Restoring that place of abiding. And meeting you where you're hungry. Hungry for more of God? I think what we'll do is, um, if everyone's cool with it, um, is maybe we'll just, like, if the band are cool to come up, um, we'll just have some, like, songs playing lightly um, for people to connect with. But then I think it'd be really cool if we went into a bit of ministry time. Um, not that... Worship, you know, we can be ministered to through, uh, through sung worship. But um, just feel like there's something about laying on of hands at the moment um, and praying for one another. Um, so if you, I suppose the key word is integrity. If you feel like you're meant to be in your seat and connecting with God, you, you go for that. We don't want to get between you and God. But we also just want to offer a, a space. Um, we'll just be here at the front because there's, there's plenty of room here to pray for people. Um, particularly in the areas, if, if you want more, if you want more hope, um, if you just want prayer over this whole area or, or things that have been stirred up from recent weeks that God's been putting on your heart, or maybe areas which have been buried for a long time, dormant areas like I had. Um, if you come up, it's not because you're less of a Christian <laughs> or less of a person. It's because you just want more of God. And I think everyone with a pulse in this room needs that, frankly. But there is the integrity thing. If you want to do business in your seat and you feel that's right, please, please do that. But... As the band start um, playing, um, we're just going to offer prayer at the front here, I think, um, for more of that. Cool.